Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live mic. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another edition of the Live Mike Podcast. My name is Michael Beck, your deputy editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and we're bringing it to you again this week, a few days before Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, it is almost time for the grand finale of the NFL season. We are uh, rapidly approaching that final date between the Cincinnati Bengals and Los Angeles Rams. Taking place in Los Angeles, could a team win at home for a second consecutive year after what 53 straight Super Bowls of that never happening yeah it'd be a pretty interesting storyline to watch but nonetheless there are a ton of interesting storylines going on in that game but really what I'm kind of interested in of course as any of you listeners are is the Pittsburgh Steelers side of things how do they relate to this? How can we bring them into into the mix to a degree? And one of the things that I was kind of uh, taken aback by when I was just looking at some stats and w- watching some highlights from Ben Roethlisberger, really the Pittsburgh Steelers' last time winning a Super Bowl was that 2008-2009 season. It's really been that long since the Steelers have hoisted a Lombardi trophy. Now, of course, uh, their, their drought between 1979-1980 uh, season and the one they won in 2005-2006, uh, definitely a little bit of a longer wait in there for Steeler fans compared to what's going on here and now. Of course, the Steelers are entering a, a rebuild slash retool of sorts, so... It's probably not realistic to say this is a championship team, of course, in the short term, unless some crazy things happen. But it is pro sports. Crazier things have happened. But regardless, kind of wanted to look back at the drought that has been for your Pittsburgh Steelers and everything that's kind of happened since then and what they kind of have to do to, once again, reclaim that Lombardi trophy. Because at the end of the day, that's that's the only thing that's really important in sports. Now, just, just to even talk about that for a second. Of course, uh, I'm sure a ton of us remember James Harrison's Defensive Player of the Year award and Troy Polamalu's and Ben Roethlisberger's uh, Rookie of the Year and all these kind of great highlights. But I'm sure there's there's a ton of us that don't remember the exact stat lines those players had or uh, the manner in which uh, they ended up winning said award. But I'm sure any Steelers fan that was around and kind of cognizant for uh, either the last two Super Bowls or any of the Super Bowls from that matter can remember the final score of the game. Uh, can 
can tell you probably who uh, performed at halftime, um, who scored uh, the, the biggest touchdowns or, or all the touchdowns of the games for that matter. The Super Bowl is what matters. Hoisting the Lombardi is what matters. It's what sticks in your mind. And what makes you it makes you sleep a little bit better at, at the end of the day. Like I remember back in 2008, 2009, watching them win Super Bowl 43. Things uh, things just felt really easy that year. That was a good year, uh, especially after the Steelers uh, hoisted that Lombardi. Uh, it's just one of those things. Winning championships uh, just makes things uh, a whole lot happier, I guess. And it's one of the things that uh, you hope your team can do each and every year. And it kind of makes uh, the commitment of being a fan to an organization for your entire life that much sweeter when they can bring home the greatest achievement possible in said sport. Now, for the Steelers, they haven't done it, like I said, since February of 2009, when they officially won that title. Uh, Here we are, February of 2022. It has been 13 long years since that Steelers' last Lombardi trophy. Um, And really, uh, unless they win it next year, once again, it'll be 14 years next year, even if they're in the dance. Um... And 50 in the year. Like, the years just add up. I don't need to explain math to you. Uh, you all know how it works. Like, it, it's it's just one of those things. You don't want these these streaks to, to run on and on. And looking back at Steelers history, really short history here. These 13 years, there's been a lot of instances this team could have been champions. Could have, would have, should have, of course. As you can say in sports, things not going their way, etc. But... For your Pittsburgh Steelers, this streak uh, hopefully can come to an end sooner rather than later. Now, really looking back to these last 13 years, there, there's been a, a few different eras, I'd say, in Pittsburgh Steelers football. Now, of course, the season immediately following that Super Bowl, uh, Steelers going 8-8, eight and eight, uh, just kind of flummoxed out, uh, didn't, didn't make the playoffs. It was kind of a rough year for them, of course. Um, it was just one of those things, after winning the Super Bowl, having a, a somewhat of a hangover, letting some of their, uh, their free agents ha- having to walk, uh, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't great for the Steelers the year after their Super Bowl. Now, the year after that, though, once again, they appeared in the Super Bowl. They were in the dance. They are competing against Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers, in a year where the Steelers, de- like, really, it was kind of like the last hurrah of that, uh, what, Blitzburg 2 defense, I believe uh, some people try to call it. Uh, I think that's what they called it on uh, that Sports Illustrated uh uh, cover back in that Super Bowl 43 run year, but that, that team, it was kind of their last hurrah there in 2010, making it to Super Bowl 45. Now, the Packers led that game pretty much the entire way through. Um, they were up for most of that game, uh, but really, of course, there's key plays. I'm sure all of us remember that. Remember watching that game. For Sean Mendenhall doesn't fumble there, uh, what, at, at late third quarter or beginning of the, the fourth. I, I think it might have been late third, um, but Still, one of those plays that I'm sure we can all think of, Clay Matthews popping that ball out of his hands. That forever changed that game, and uh, the Packers, of course, would go on to win. Heck, if the Steelers were able to complete another fourth-quarter, two-minute drill comeback, they still had a chance to win that game uh, with the ball in Big Ben's hands uh, with seconds to go. Heck, if rookie uh, stud sensation center Marquise Pouncey didn't break his ankle in the AFC Championship game and Doug Ligurski wasn't uh, forced to start in that one, what would have happened? It was just, what, like, again, coulda, woulda, shoulda things, and 
we saw exactly what happened. Now, if you remember that Packers team too, not to spend too much on time on that game, but their wide receiver five, if I'm not mistaken, was Jordy Nelson, I think. Uh, if not, like just remember that receiving core. The Steelers just didn't have enough DBs to uh, contain the insane receiving talent of those Green Bay Packers from Donald Driver. Uh, to to Jennings, um, to of course Jordy Nelson, um, and what Randall Cobb and like you 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 can just run through the roster of that team. Was, the Steelers defense uh, they added the, the depth chart of their DBs um, once you hit the backups so were kind of built more special teams based, and that ended up kind of costing the Steelers at the end there because they had special teamers trying to run against these future All Pros and current All Pro receivers ac- across the field. It was just one of the things the Steelers could really contest with that. The year after Super Bowl 45, really, the next couple years was a transition for the Steelers. Um, some of those legends uh, found themselves on the way out, like uh, James Harrison uh, disappeared before coming back a couple years later, uh, Troy Polamalu's uh, forced retirement, uh, defensive linemen like Brett Kiesel and Aaron Smith uh, started getting replaced by uh, the likes of Cam Hayward and eventually Stephon Tuitt. Uh, it was just a, a number of names uh, were on their way out, and, and names that we know and love today were on their way in. It, it was it was a definite Steep change for the Steelers. Heck, even on offense, out was was Mike Wallace. In was Antonio Brown and Emmanuel Sanders. Now the Steelers went from a team that uh, was high-powered defense, running the football, to all of a sudden now we are this high-powered passing attack. Uh, one of the best receiving talents ever in Antonio Brown at his peak. We can't deny his run. He was one of the best receivers in football. Um, but of course, the, the years transitioning to get there. We're down. There were some pretty soft years for the Steelers. What back-to-back eight and eight seasons, I do believe, uh, before they could make it to the dance once again. Now, those years there for the Steelers, sure they were lean, but they did show signs of promise. And eventually, we kind of got in those uh, 2013, 2014, 2015 seasons. Really, between 2013 and 2017 was kind of the rise of the Killer Bees. The rise and fall, I should say, um, basically with it all kind of imploding there late in 2018 when it all fell apart. But from that run from 2013 to 2017, it was some of the most insane offensive football you ever did see. And, and there was years in there where the Steelers should have been competing for championships, but a few things happened, and we'll get to that. Now, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger and, heck, Martavis Bryant and Marcus Whedon, uh, Sammy Coates, I guess, D'Angelo Williams, the offensive line, which one of the best offensive lines in Steelers history, um, from left tackles Beecham and Villanueva. Uh, he moved to left guard and Ramon Foster and Marquise Pouncey holding it down to the middle, who was a c- consecutive all-pro player, and David DeCastro, same thing. Right tackle, uh, there's a few guys that uh, rolled through there, but uh, Marcus Gilbert uh, possibly being uh, the biggest name of, uh, of really anyone that stepped in there. It, the offense was absolutely dynamic and insane for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Heck, there's one unbelievable game from Ladarius Green, who, if he didn't have concussion issues, would have been one of the better tight ends in the, in the game. Uh, I'll never forget that game against the New York Giants when he absolutely went off before uh, basically his career ended. Um, and one of the reasons why the Steelers haven't been very successful at signing outside free agents. But I digress. Those teams, that offensive football was 
dominant and at, at times unstoppable. And really, w- when it wasn't turned on, it, it was confusing and heartbreaking because of how much talent was on the offensive side of the football. Uh, the Steelers had to sh- like move on from guys like Emmanuel Sanders because they just had such a knack for bringing in receiver after receiver after receiver. Heck, I, I can think of even Jericho Cotri coming in and catching like over 10 touchdowns one season. It's just one of the things the Steelers were so successful with their receiver talent and Ben Roethlisberger was hitting his prime as a passer and Le'Veon Bell was doing things at a running back we've never seen before and once again the offensive line was giving Ben four, five, six seconds to throw the ball and giving Le'Veon Bell the ability to be the patient running back that revolutionized football Um, and really I guess to this day has been the only player that could ever play a style like that because the offensive line was so dominant now, were things behind the scenes a little uneasy? Yeah, of course we learned that in later years, but those seasons, the Steelers really started to rise up. Their defense started to take a step backwards, though. Once we kind of got in the playoffs, uh, of course there's that Tim Tebow year, um, that heartbreaker in the playoffs. Uh, that was a tough one, but uh, moving past that, like the 2015 season in particular, that Super Bowl 50 year, the Steelers ended up with basically all their stars on the injured reserve. It, it it killed this team. It decimated this team. Uh, the injuries were brutal throughout that year. Uh, ben Roethlisberger was playing through that playoff game against the Broncos with an injured shoulder and a, a litany of other, a list, I should say, of, of other injuries. Le'Veon Bell was done for the year with the torn MCL. Uh, D'Angelo Williams had an ankle injury, I believe. Antonio Brown was out with this concussion after that Bengals game and that perfect hit. Um, I'm sure we all remember Um Martavis Bryant was kind of leading the show at that receiver spot. There's injuries on the on the offensive line, injuries on defense. It, it was really bad. And the Steelers very nearly. There were Fitzgerald Toussaint fumble away, basically from knocking off the eventual Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos. If the Steelers only had like half that lineup, heck, they didn't even need uh, Le'Veon Bell in there. It could have been D'Angelo Williams touting the rock. Um, and just like one of the receivers healthy, like... That team had so much talent. There's no reason they shouldn't have won Super Bowl 50. Their injuries, it, it, like no team could survive that. No team that's won a Super Bowl in the history of the game could have survived the amount of injuries the Steelers had that year. If that was a season, if you could replace the health from, what, 2014 or 2016 with what we got in 2015, no doubt in my mind the Steelers win Super Bowl 50. They were unbelievable. That was a great year for that team. Um, they took a slight step back. It's funny. I, like, I say slight steps back. The year after 2016, uh, to me, it, like they weren't quite on the level of talent that they had in 2015, but they made it to the dang AFC Championship game. They got blown out in Gillette. It wasn't even close, but they made it all the way there. And I don't even think that was uh, the better of the two teams between 15 and 16. And that's absolutely mind-boggling. Then the 2017 team uh, rolls around, and the stars really aligned for the Steelers to to go off that year. And considering a couple plays and how they, they worked out, Really, it could have been the Steelers' year once again, too. 2017, when you think about it, the year started, Ryan Shazier was healthy. They had a great draft, bringing in T.J. Watt and Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner to back up Le'Veon Bell. Um, and, and Cam Sutton was like the cornerback five. They signed Joe Hayden. They made a number of outstanding moves. Um, Javon Hargrave was still in town. Uh, Stefan Tuitt and Cam Hayward. Um, James Harrison was still on the roster. Like, you, you just go up and down. Heck, Bud Dupree was there, and he's starting to come out of a shell. 
The Steelers' offense was as loaded as it ever was. The Steelers had this great combo of offense and defense in 2017. And then the Patriots game happened. The the, the Jesse James uh, fumble, no touchdown call. That's really one of the exclamation points of uh, the Steelers kind of run there. If that game changes, the Steelers go from 13-3 and the number two seed to 14-2. Then instead, I believe they would have played the Buffalo Bills at home in that wild card weekend, or excuse me, the divisional round as the one seed who absolutely got blown out by the, the New England Patriots, which to me, uh, the Steelers win that game uh, that game, absolutely. The Jaguars, in, in turn, instead of uh, lumping one on the Steelers, end up uh, going up to Foxborough, which they did lose the AFC title game there uh, the week after. But to rewrite history here a bit, like the Steelers, that, that catch gets ruled differently. The Steelers are playing the home team to the New England Patriots, who they already beaten that year and would beat again in 2018. The Steelers kind of started to have their number there at the end of Brady's run uh, as uh, with the Patriots um, there at the end. The thing is, that's not how things worked out. That call goes the wrong way. Ryan Shazier's horrific uh, injury happens. Things just go south for this team. Uh, And they lose that game 45-42, which if you told me the Steelers would have put up 42 points in that game, I would have guaranteed guaranteed you they won it. (laughs) They didn't. It's just one of those things. Like It it was an extremely tough... Like Those two things, losing Ryan Shazier absolutely changed everything for that Steelers defense, and they're nowhere close to as good as they were when he was healthy. And beyond that as well, losing that game to New England in the fashion they did, that was huge. You win that game, like you rewrite history completely. And that ultimately is not what happened. Now, we're up against the first half of our show, so hang tight. We'll be back with more live mic action in just a moment. here once again my name is michael beck if you like this content and you want to interact a little bit with me and uh, chat about uh, this offseason moves the steelers should make or anything in between you can go ahead and follow me on twitter at michael beck 56 we'll hang out chat a little bit about pittsburgh steelers uh of course one of our favorite topics like uh and each and every one of you know it's steelers football baby it's it's on every day of the year. I don't care if it's the offseason. I like I don't care when. There's always stuff happening in the world of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, getting back to kind of our theme of the show here, was kind of running through the years of the Pittsburgh Steelers between their last Super Bowl and right now. Of course, the Super Bowl itself is going down on Sunday, uh, what, February 13th, between the Cincinnati Bengals ugh, and the Los Angeles Rams. Meh. I'm going to take the lesser of two evils on this one. But we wrapped up on talking about the 2017 year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And how different would things be in 2018 if Antonio Brown didn't go crazy and Le'Veon Bell never held out? That was kind of the, the two huge talking points of the 2018 scene. Of course, the Steelers were trying to uh, rebound off of uh, losing Ryan Shazier, uh, trying to find something to play in that uh, that middle linebacker spot. The, there were things on the go, but 
the Steelers, of course, the biggest thing that was talked about all offseason, all through training camp, and all of, up until the window closed was whether or not Le'Veon Bell would for, sign his franchise tag, or a contract for that matter. He never ended up signing. Uh, probably made the biggest dis- mistake of his career not signing that contract the Steelers offered him. And uh, from there, uh, pretty much did absolutely nothing with the Jets uh, before going to the Chiefs, and then the Bucks, uh, and the, the Ravens was in there somewhere, and then... Now, I do believe he's on football. So, um, regardless, uh, it was just one of those things. The Steelers were without Bell. At the end of the year, they were without Brown. And they missed the playoffs. That 2018 season was a bit of a heartbreaker. They just needed the Browns to clutch things up against the Ravens there. In what, I'm pretty sure exactly the last game of the season. Things didn't go their way like they did for the Steelers here in 2022. They just didn't work out for the Steelers. It sucked. But how different would things be if they had their all-pro running back behind their their studly offensive line and A.B. just wanted to be a team player? How different would things be? To me, it would be extraordinarily different. Like, it wouldn't wouldn't even be... uh, Like, the Steelers would have made the playoffs that year, period. Like... Like just adding Le'Veon Bell uh, and his uh, his wins above re- replacement. Of course, James Conner was a Pro Bowler that year, but he still battled injuries himself. Um, having Bell and Conner, yeah, th- that changes things. It, it definitely would have. And I think the Steelers at least won another game in there uh, if they had that, and uh, if AB uh, was just okay with the team to begin with. Again, those two huge factors in that season. Now, moving over to 2019, it's perhaps the best version of the Steelers' defense uh, for this kind of different era here. Like, maybe we refer to it as, like, the Keith Butler era. Um, Javon Hargrave was still in town. Tyson Alalu was the backup. Stephon Tuitt was going off. Uh, Cam Hayward. Bud Dupree was uh, kind of peak Bud Dupree. Uh, TJ Watt coming into his own. Uh, Devin Bush was a rookie and had by far his best season of his career. Vince Williams was still on. Steven Nelson was brought in. Joe Hayden was still an absolute stud. They traded for Minka Fitzpatrick. Trell Edmonds started to trend in the right direction. This defense was great. I didn't even mention Mike Hilton, who had one of his best years of his career as well. That was an outstanding defense that the Steelers basically just got that shot themselves on the foot in the offensive side of the football. Uh, the offensive line was regressing. They are getting old. Marquise Pouncey was getting old. DeCastro was getting old. Uh, Ramon Foster, I do believe, just retired. Um, at left tackle, it was still Alejandro Villanueva, and he was really starting to struggle. The, the downward sp- uh, spout spent, oh goodness me, of his career. Uh, Matt Filer t- took over at right tackle. It was just one of those things. Things were trending in the wrong direction. Steelers receivers, they thought they could replace Antonio Brown with Dante Moncrief, who is absolutely horrendous. One of the worst players I think I've ever seen uh, at wide receiver in the NFL, especially as someone that the Steelers pegged uh, for high minutes. Uh, I believe his nicknames were uh, Moncrete, uh, Moncrief, uh, just straight up concrete because his hands were stone. It, it just was not good. Uh, the Steelers' running back play was inconsistent because of injuries to basically everyone, especially James Conner. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster kind of took a, a step back. Uh, they acquired, what, Deontay Johnson, James Washington was already on the field. But then, worst of all, their franchise quarterback tore ligaments in his elbow and thrust uh, second-year player Mason Rudolph into the lineup. Uh, uh, and eventually Duck Hodges after Mason Rudolph uh, suffered a horrific uh, concussion and then suffered a uh, pretty bad collarbone injury. Um, really, offensively, it was just such a tough year, especially because there's no creativity from the offense under Randy Feekner. The Steelers' offense was just bad. Flat out, plain up, 
It was just not good. Uh, they tried some Wildcat stuff. That was bad. Everything the Steelers were doing was not good that year. Uh, and something you, you kind of had to just move on from. It was a tough year to lose your franchise quarterback with how damn good that defense was. The Steelers were so close to making the playoffs. Uh, imagine, like, just some decency of an offense or Ben Roethlisberger's cap hit spent on on players that they could have brought in a free agency on the offensive side of football. Seriously, that team was so damn good defensively. It was just a shame what happened to the offense happened and the Steelers weren't able to recover from it that year. Moving into 2020, the pandemic year, the Steelers started absolutely red hot. Uh, they were, th- this was kind of the first year they started losing players to this defense. Uh, what, starting 11-0 before a heartbreaker to the Washington football team, now the Washington Commanders, still trying to get used to that. Um, and a, a downward uh, spiral throughout the end of the year. A, a tough loss to the Bills, who just had the Steelers number uh, for a couple seasons, really. Um just continuing through that, a terrible, horrible loss to the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, to a really bad Bengals team, I should mention, without Joe Burrow. Um, like, it was just a very tough way for the Steelers to end the year. And then it all was kind of the crescendo with that that blowout loss to the Cleveland Browns in the wild card game. It was just, it was hard to watch. Uh, to me, it, it had this, it had me thinking, okay, it was time for the Steelers to hit the reset button and do something differently. Of course, Marquise Pouncey retired, uh, Vance McDonald retired, David DeCastro was released, and I'm like, he hasn't officially retired, but I've seen pictures of him recently, uh, and he looks uh, somewhat uh, slimmed down. He doesn't really look like uh, offensive lineman football shape anymore. Uh, I think his career might uh, have wound down as well. Uh, Alejandro Villanueva moved on from the team. Um, like, or excuse me, Villanueva was still a part of the team, but he was not playing uh, very good after that. That Browns game, Villanueva, of course, uh, moved on. Uh, it, it was a transition. Uh, the, the receivers, of course, all came back. Uh, the Steelers drafted Najee Harris. We all know how he did as a rookie, and then we got one more year of Ben Roethlisberger. T.J. Watt, of course, will always be the story of this past season, absolutely going off, tying Michael Strahan's sack record, scoring a touchdown in the playoff game, but the Steelers' offense was just historically bad. Uh, the, the Steelers' defense kind of survived some terrible losses like Bud Dupree and Mike Hilton and, and still did pretty well, but um, injuries to Stephon Tuitt and Tyson Alualu and Devin Bush regressing and Joe Schobert getting traded for not having a great year, and then the corners kind of struggle like... Like, they took a step up in some places, and they took a step back in others. It was just a bad year for, for the Steelers. They still managed to make the playoffs. It is pretty wild to think about this team making the playoffs here this past season. But really, now we sit here with about $30 million in cap space, uh, a total that should move easily north of $40 million. They re- do some restructures, uh, cut a few more players than expected. They should be able to push that to 50 or $60 million. Now we're kind of cooking with some uh, peanut oil, uh, and the Steelers can, uh, can look to bring in some talent outside of uh, their roster as it is. And they need to nail some drafts here and eventually find a new quarterback. Like, things aren't on the best path for the Steelers right now. Don't get me wrong. Um, There's probably a down year coming up in our future, but it's not necessarily 100% what's going to happen. There's no guarantee that the Steelers are going to be awful for the next decade. Uh, One really good offseason. They spend their money smartly. They manage to find a rookie that just comes in and is hot. Heck, Dak Prescott, what, was a third-round pick and uh, brought the the Dallas Cowboys to the one seed and the playoffs his rookie year. Stranger things have happened. The Steelers, they have to nail the offseason, which, (laughs) like, I laugh because easier said than done. 
But there's things that they can do. Like a, a well-managed team, like I know a lot of people want to believe the Steelers are, can survive this in pretty quick manner. There, there could and likely should be some lean years, but they can realistically turn things around in the short term here if they do things right. The Steelers aren't particularly close to being a, a Super Bowl contender. Uh, one of the hard things the Steelers have to face is uh, former NFL MVP Lamar Jackson in their division. Uh, the Ravens will get healthy again this year. This past season was brutal for injury for them. They're going to be better next year. The Bengals have a ton of cap space and are playing in the damn Super Bowl this year. They're going to be better next year and you're going to have to run against Joe Burrow and all of them. The Browns still have a pretty dang good roster except they have Baker Mayfield, the quarterback they could make some moves and bring in someone better if they do that oof the Steelers would be behind the eight ball and right now you could argue probably the worst team in the division regardless of them making the playoffs uh if the Browns can figure something out a quarterback or Baker plays better I, I don't know but the Ravens are going to be a better team next year they have a former MVP quarterback the, the Bengals are probably going to be a Super Bowl favorite early on uh, next season as well um and for, for all rights they should be uh, based on how young they are and how well they've managed their team and how much money they have to spend well more than the Steelers do and the Steelers um, are a lot further away than the Bengals are of course but the Steelers need to do a lot of things right here to get things back on track uh of course, finding the quarterback is something we're going to talk about all offseason long and probably talk about it for years to come. Um, continuing to retool this defense, fixing the offensive line, uh, bringing in new bodies of receiver, bringing in coaches like the Steelers have a lot to do. This has been a long drought, 13 years. It, it's probably going to extend a few more. That's okay. It's pro sports. It, it is what it is, really. There's some teams that you'll go your whole lifetime and never watch them hoist a, a championship. Anything can happen if a team gets hot at the right time, but again, stranger things happen. Teams can go through droughts. Teams can run through injury streaks, but the, the fun thing is getting to sit back and watch it all take place. Now, hopefully the Steelers can get back into relevance and get back into title contention soon, but like I said, all we can do is sit back and watch and hope they make the right moves and play a little armchair GM along the way. So with all that being said, I want to thank you for tuning in to today's edition of the Live Mike Podcast. Once again, my name is Michael Beck, and I want to remind you to click over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, from breaking news to film rooms. You name it, we have it at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And make sure you're liking, subscribing, commenting, leaving five stars on uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening to. And check out the entire library of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com podcasts. <laughs> once again, my name is Michael Beck. Thank you for listening to Live Mike, and we'll talk to you guys soon.